I, I found out another guy who got into Western who lived pretty close by. So I reached out to him and he was part of a whole running group that gets together on the weekends. Yeah. So I joined them and we're talking and he's like, they're like, so how long have you been trying to get into Western? I'm like, Oh, it was my first try. I, I just said it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I wasn't popular. They were just like, you know, we really don't like guys like you. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to episode number 100 of the Run the Riot podcast. How cool is that? 100 episodes. Uh, These are the 100 of the weekly episodes, uh, this doesn't count the midweek motivation uh, that I do from time to time. I was doing them regularly, but now it's time to time. I just strike when the iron's hot. But 100 episodes, and man, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for uh, for being a part of my running family and uh, just the encouragement. And uh, it's been a cool journey. And um, man, I just I just love getting to do this and love all of you that I've met uh, doing the podcast and who've responded to the podcast. And so, uh, yeah, here's to, I don't know, a hundred more, 200 more, whatever. We just keep trucking, man. Um, today for today's episode, we have another, just, you guys are all extraordinary because we do all these crazy runs and stuff. And, and so, uh, today we're going to talk to Nick Ferrara. He is originally from the Bronx, New York, now living in Pennsylvania. And what I love about Nick is uh, he started running later in life when he realized he had to make some decisions to be healthy for his health. And uh, he just seems to gravitate toward like gnarly races. Uh, When you hear about his first 100 miler and like his second one was Leadville and um, man, just really cool. He was the first person, I believe he said, to do Western states and Eastern states in the same year. And uh, this past year, he did the Hard Rock 100, which was a goal of his. He's also done UTMB twice. So we, man, we just get to talk and, and share. Uh, he gets to share about some of these awesome races and, and about his journey. I love to hear about people's journeys. And uh, yeah, and the other thing, one of the things I just love about ultra running is that a, a boy, a Cajun boy from South Louisiana, can start talking to a northeastern guy in the from the Bronx who's living in Pennsylvania, and you know what? Our love for running and God's creation, and we can just click and connect and have a good time. You'll love this podcast uh, with Nick Ferrara. But before we get started, man, really quick, you guys have got to check out some races. I know you're planning out next year, so. Uh, get ready and, and start signing up for races. So I want you to check out the Outlaw Race Series. Go to www.outlaw100.com and check out their races, man. You can, um, you'll enjoy them. They're good and you can use some of the shorter distances to training for your hundreds or you can sign up for the Outlaw 100 and make it your goal race. There's, there's, there are races all over in, um, here in Oklahoma and in South Kansas, man, they're great. Uh, Jeremy and Alicia do a great job of putting them on. They take care of their runners. Uh, there's the Flat Rock Triple Crown, the Lake McMurtry Run in Stillwater. Um, there's a new one coming up, uh, the Greater Roadrunner Trail Run in Roman Nose, Roman Nose State Park in Watanga. Uh, that one's only a 4, 6, and 12 mile, but great race in one of the state parks in Oklahoma. There's the Flower Moon 
uh, Ultra in Pawhuska in May. I'll be there running the 50 miler as a training run. There's the Dark and Dirty in Wilburton in July. The Thunderbird we just had in Norman in November. And of course, the Outlaw 100 in February that's got distances from 135 miles all the way down to a 5K. Tough race, but awesome. So check out the Outlaw Race Series. Also, guys, I want you to check out the Full Moon 50K. There, but there's more than the 50K. There's a 25K and 50 mile. It's in Perryville, Arkansas. Um, especially if you're going to do Arkansas Traveler, man, it's a great race to get out there to train to to see the same start finish to kind of get the lay of the land. It's just a fun race, man. The race directors there are friends. They are awesome, and man, it, it, it's a good race. It's going to be fun. It's at night. It's Saturday, July 16th into the 17th because it's at night. And um, so to find out more about it, go to FullMoon50K.com, and if you use the code RTR. 2021 that RTR stands for run the riot you get 10% off uh, yeah so I mean just just go do it you'll you won't regret running that race all right um, and proceeds from the race go to help out uh, the Logan Wilcox Wilcoxon Memorial Fund um, just it helps the local chapter of uh, suicide prevention man um, great great thing to be able to have you know you get to go run and then give to just just good organizations the other one it gives to is the arkansas ultra running cross country fund that helps cross country teams uh in lower income areas uh man so just you know good causes great race uh we're also brought to you by exoskin go to www.exoskin.us uh you hear me talk about it all the time i wear the exo toes when i'm out running trails they're great uh check out the rest of their the tights uh are great uh, the calf sleeves arm sleeves shorts shirts they have uh, exo underwear liners to keep you chafe free and if you use the code run the riot uh you get a discount yeah, and uh, last but certainly not least, check out Runners World Tulsa. Man, check out their races. I believe when this comes out, the weekend this uh, podcast comes out, it'll be the half and half uh, marathon at Turkey Mountain, half on trails, half on the road. And so, uh, if you hear this when it first comes out, because this podcast will come out, and it's that same weekend, you can hurry up and get there. But check out Runners World Tulsa for all your running needs. Whether you run roads, you run trails, you run five Ks, you run ultras. They've got what you need. Uh, they're awesome. Talk to uh, Barbara. Talk to Kathy. They can get you what you need. And if you're not local, go to www.runnersworldtulsa.com and uh, get some information there. Whew. All right. Well, I think it's time for the podcast, right? You're like, shut up, David. Just get to the podcast. We hear these things all the time. Yeah, but the sponsors are awesome. And so you need to hear about them. <laughs> so anyway, hey, ladies and gentlemen, check out my awesome conversation with Nick Ferrara. All right, Nick, how's it going? It's going great. Man, after to- Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, dude, I put on some weight. How, how about you? <laughs> Oh yeah, def- definitely, uh, definitely on the uh, need to need to ramp up the training. After yeah, man. yesterday. Yeah, man. I-, I told my wife this morning. I'm like, I don't know, four pounds heavier. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so the-, the run was the run was a little rough, man. Uh, well, man, thanks for uh, for joining me on the podcast, man. I've been kind of reading some of your your story and and uh, and your on your website and looking at some of the races you've run, and and we we got some stuff to talk about, man. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm uh, you know honored to uh, that, that you even considered me to be a part of the, your your podcast. You've had some 
impressive folks on in the past. So um, when you reached out, that was, uh, again, really, really appreciate it. So hopefully I'll add something uh, to, to you and your listeners. Oh man, I, I know, I know it's going to be good, man. Uh, especially, you know, um, you're, you're kind of like me, you know, we're, we're, we're a little up there in age, you know, but we're still kicking it, still doing the thing, man. And so, uh, so I, I love, uh, you know, love giving some, uh, some guys like me a, a shout out and, uh, and visiting. And I just want to, you know, if I can learn, you know, I want to do this for a long time, man. And so, uh, you know, I want, I want to learn how, how you're doing it and how you've been doing it and, and get some tips myself. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think for me, it's, uh, you know, we'll probably get there, but I always tell people I started later in life yeah. and, uh, preserved my joints, um, but not necessarily in the right way. You know, used a lot of preservatives, <laughs> a lot of, uh, uh, other things that weren't necessarily healthy. So in, yeah. in some ways, I think it's helped me extend my, uh, my running legs, so to speak. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I start, I started running a little bit later too. And, and, uh, so you're from, um, you're from New York, right? Yeah. Grew up in the Bronx. <laughs> oh man, that's, I've never been to New York, man. So, so I, I hear it. I hear, hear the accent. <laughs> I, you're talking to a Cajun from South Louisiana. So, uh, you know, we got some, some accent. If, if mine starts coming out, we got some accent stuff going on around here. <laughs> so it's like, well, de definitely uh, as, as the evening gets later, especially if uh, someone's pacing me, but I get, I, I'm always given a hard time as I get tired, the accent comes out even more uh, prevalent and, uh, probably comes out even more if i'm hanging hanging out with my old friends from from you know back home yeah same here man i visit louisiana and i come back talking like this and like that so, <laughs> so yeah man well well do so what, what was it like growing up in the bronx man what tell me tell me a little bit about it because i'm from you know south louisiana kind of country and cajun and all that so tell, tell me about what that was like you know from for i think the first half of my life i thought it was the best experience in a lot of ways it was um but it was, you know, taking the train, taking the bus places. I mean, you know, for, for me, when I went to high school, I had to take uh, two buses and the subway to get to high school. What? Um, so it, it was a really different world. And when I, I look at even a lot of the kids, including my own today, it's amazing how much more we shelter them. But, yeah. but for me, it was really cool. I mean, you know, you hear the story. So first of all, if you have any listeners from the Bronx, when I tell you where i actually grew up in the bronx hardcore hardcore new yorkers would give me a hard time so i grew up on an island off of the bronx called city island small oh. one mile long but it was one of those neighborhoods where i would literally ride my bike and i'd be going down the street and somebody would lean out their window and say nick your mother's looking for you <laughs> you know get <laughs> home nice. so it's like mayberry mayberry yeah. in the bronx dude <laughs> it was and uh <laughs> Everybody knew everybody. I mean, you couldn't do anything. So it was a really cool experience. Um, and it, there was a whole series of events. But, you know, I, I look back at it, and I'm so grateful I had the experiences that I had. Yeah. But it's so funny when I look back at how I grew up and what I loved back then and where I am today and what I like to do for fun. They couldn't be further apart <laughs> from the cities and skyscrapers that I thought was the center of the universe. Yeah. And now there's nothing more than I love being on the top of a peak in, you know, Come on. especially in Colorado, which yeah. I know we'll get to. But uh, so to me, it's, it's just amazing the journey that's taken me, you know, from New York to, to where I am today. 
Yeah, man. It's, it's funny. Uh, I love, I love hearing st- stuff like that because, you know, I grew up, I mean, you know, I lived in the country bus came, picked me up and brought me straight to school, you know, one bus <laughs> and, and everybody, but, uh, but, uh, I enjoyed the freedom of, of riding my bike and being out in the country. But, um, it's funny. I lived in new Orleans for, for a little while when I went to seminary and we lived on seminary campus and, it's New Orleans. It was in a bad section of town, but it was gated. So we called it Mayberry in the hood. And so uh, it sounds kind of maybe a little similar to where, you know, where you were, but I, I was an adult at the time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it, it was great. I mean, you know, and the thing about growing up in the Bronx, I mean, just there's a lot of diversity. Um, you know, it, it just, it's such, and I just look back, it's such a different world. And, and there's parts of me that I wish my kids can appreciate it. Yeah. Um, just because again, there was, between you know different racial groups and everything else it was it was challenging at times but yeah. there was still there was such more i feel like there was so much more unity back then but again mm-hmm. i'm i was i was a kid so you know maybe my eyes were were too uh you know looking through the rosy colored glasses but it was it's, it was really I'm, I'm glad that i had the experiences that i did yeah um but again it's it made me who i am today so it's been a it was, it was really cool in a lot of ways um yeah. i felt most of my family is still up in that area yeah. A um, couple moved down to Florida, but, nice, uh, but nice. most, <laughs> mo- most of them are still up in the New York area. Well, well, so, the, you know, with this being an ultra running podcast as a kid, you said you rode your bike and stuff. Did you do any any kind of sports or anything in school, high school or anything? <laughs> yeah, no. So that, that's the wildest thing about for me. So I never played sports, um, never was an athlete. Yeah. I mean, always was for, for the most part a chubby kid. And it wasn't until I was in my early thirties that I ran really my first race, which yeah. all honesty was the New York city marathon. So, you know, it was like, go big or go home. Yeah. That's a, so, so was that, was that, was that your first, first yeah. legit race? So, so, um, I my listeners get tired of hearing you say it. My first race was a marathon too. Okay. Uh, yeah. In 2010. Uh, and so, uh, it was, a uh, one in Louisiana. And so, yeah. So tell me how, how that, how did that happen, man? So, so again, it's, it's, it, it really started, um, you know, growing up in, in the city, you always heard about the marathon. I mean, yeah. um, and, and so it was a special, it was, there's a vibe in the air and it was just something so cool. And in the back of my mind, I always thought that'd be something cool to do. Although I realized in order to do it, you had to run 26 miles, which yeah. is just, why, why in the world would anybody possibly want to run that far? It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. <laughs> stupid <laughs> and, and and so but honestly it had less to do with the event and more to do with a, a combination of things one was i got really big um at least for me so okay you know i mean i'm i'm five eight with my hope is on that's what i like to say oh, okay five, okay okay <laughs> all right and and I, I was i was tipping the scales probably over 200 pounds and it was really when my wife ended up buying my pants were getting really tight on me and she bought, bought me a pair of pants with an elastic waistband or like, you know, it had like elastic in it. Yeah. And, and I was like, all right, you know, you, you, boy, you got to do something. She bought you yourself. some stretchy pants, man. You gotta get a test again. <laughs> and, and honestly, I was probably one of the key events I still remember. And then at the same time, there was a group of guys that I worked with and they were all signing up for the New York city marathon. These are hardcore runners. It was like their goal. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm asking them questions. I'm like, oh, you know, I always love to do it. So they teased me and said, you should sign up. You'll never get in. Yeah. And I, I signed up and guess what? I was the only one of them that got in my first try. <laughs> Sounds like divine um, providence, my brother. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I ran that race. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child. 
Um, you know, I'd come home from my long runs on the weekend. She wanted to kill me, but I probably <laughs> lost 20 to 30 pounds. Never wow. felt better in my life, at least after the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we both, my wife was like, you're never doing that again. And I swore I would never do it again. And, and, it, and I felt good, but it, I just had zero desire to do it. And then really my journey of running, I would say began the following year, which we literally it could be a podcast in and of itself, but in 2006, I signed up on a whim, never thinking I'd get in again. Yeah. And then I had this amazing experience. I won this power bar um, pro athlete uh, raffle where I was paced by three professional athletes. Oh, which and, ones? Uh, Josh Cox, who was or yeah, he was the 50K record holder. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, man, Dan, uh, Dan Brown, Olympian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was, ran the 10 K and the marathon. I think what year it was. And then Peter Reed, who was 10 time Ironman winner. Um, <laughs> and the best part is I know who any of these guys were. <laughs> and you won. So, and I won. So, Yay. I, I, found, yeah. so I, I tell a couple of the, like the, the runners in my, like, well, specifically this guy who takes care of me, sports chiropractor. And he was like, Oh, and Peter Reed, like all these there, they were all amazed. I'm like, eh, okay, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, my first time, 2005, I ran 340, but then running with those guys, at least the first, both Dan and, and, uh, Josh probably ran the first 18 miles at a sub seven pace. Oh yeah. So the wheels came off after that. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and poor, poor, you know, Peter Reese, who's again, a world-class Ironman had me sort of running, walking between telephone poles. Yeah. And, and got it done at 318, which That's, given that. Yeah. Still pretty. So what I realized, I'm like, shoot, if I can run that, that far with zero training, still relatively speaking, I, I'm, I was still probably 20 pounds heavier than, than I am what I would say at, at race weight. Yeah. Um, you know, could I condition my body to the point where I could actually break three hours? So, yeah. you know, again, it was, it was a wild journey and, uh, you know, it, it, it took some time, but five years later, I finally was able to do that. Nice, dude. It, that's, that's pretty amazing. So it, that, what a cool way to start running, like get into to, to New York. And then the, the second time you, you get pro athletes pacing you. That's, that's just nuts, man. That's unheard of. Oh, and like I said, there's a whole story there and some of that we may even get into, but uh, it, it was really cool. Oh man. That's awesome. So, uh, so you, you, you get in, you, you do it again. Um, how was, how did your wife handle you, you running it again? I think at that point, she, you know, fortunately she wasn't pregnant, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. kids are all healthy and, and, you know, I really, it was, and it's still in to a lesser degree now since the pandemic, but for the most part, you know, I was somebody who really made more of an effort to get up extra early um, yeah. and would try to be home, you know, rather than my first year. And yeah. I would literally leave my house at like nine, 10 o'clock in the morning and get home at three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, yeah. it was really bad, but I didn't know any better. Yeah. So once I really started getting into the running, you know, I'd leave my house by five, 6 a.m., yeah. um, get home at more of a reasonable hour. Yeah. Um, and that's how I, that was the only way I could realistically, you know, at least try to be a good father or husband and also, you know, keep a full time job. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, um, you said your, your friends at work were the ones that kind of got you doing this. Well, what kind of, what did you end up growing up doing, man? What kind of work were you doing? <laughs> so I'm a, I went to school for pharmacy. So I'm a pharmacist okay. from an education standpoint, but I'm actually, I work in the pharmaceutical industry, which, you know, I okay. know for a lot of folks, that's, uh, 
you know, sell drugs. It, 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 yeah, it's almost like being in you know the IRS. Like people are yeah. like, oh, what do you do? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I I work in marketing. I have a really uh, cool job working on with you know a great company, really cool product. Nice. Um, and really have been doing that since uh, you know well over twenty years now. Oh, that's awesome. I have a friend who's, um, who's, who's, who does that He does say he's in the sales part of it for pharmaceuticals. And I have, I have actually a few friends that do that. And uh, yeah. So I've talked to them when they're having to learn the, learn the new drugs and learn, you know, all the things. And so it's pretty, pretty interesting, uh, line of work, man. So, so instead of just doing the pharmacy thing, you're, that, that's kind of, that's kind of cool that you have the background, but you get to, to use it in a different way. Yeah. It's, it, it served me well. You know, I've, uh, been able to, you know, you're able to use education, but then also use, like for me with my personality, sales is a really cool place. Yeah. But then when I went into marketing, I, I was really able to use a different piece of my brain. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, even now, even more so I'd argue with the ultra running, it's amazing how, you know, the whole running can really add to the creativity, thinking mm. differently. It's yeah. really, I mean, running has transformed my life in so many ways, personally, professionally, spiritually. Huh. And so I'm just so grateful that, that it is such an important part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. So you, you, after you, you ran again, you did a little smarter. So your wife, you know, uh, <laughs> was maybe a little bit more okay with you doing the running thing. Um, but, uh, and, and, and I just want to say like, I'm with you on the getting up early, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad, I work and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and a lot of my, li- a lot of listeners, they're, they're the same way, you know, you just do what you got to do to maintain that balance. And so it's sometimes we, we mess up before we figure it out, but, uh, you know, as long as we get it figured out, cause we, we, man, that's priorities, man, you know, we got to keep our priorities and our, and if, if we do this, these amazing things out on the course and, uh, our families fall apart. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not successful. <laughs> so, Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, kudos on that. So, so you're just, you're, you're running, you did this other marathon, you're discovering things about yourself. Um, where did you, I want to talk a little bit more about that, but how did, how did this evolve? Because, you know, like we said earlier, 26.2 miles, that's, that's just stupid. Um, but we know things have evolved since then. Um, so how did, how did you go from, you know, New York marathon to, finding these, these ultra marathons. So in, uh, so 2010, um, I probably have, I was having in the middle of having probably the best year running at that point that I had had. Yeah. I broke three hours for the first time at Virginia beach. Nice. Like less than four weeks later, later I signed up or I had been signed up for Boston and went to Boston. There's a long story there, but I went to Boston just for fun because a lot of folks gave me advice and said, you're not going to be able to break three hours in Boston. Do it at Virginia beach. It's flat. I'm like, I already signed up. Yeah. Just listen to us. So I did that, listened to them. And then when I went into Boston for fun, I had probably the most profound experience, which really plays a big role in my faith story, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, um, so I was having an amazing year. And then my, a good buddy of mine, um, Bob asked me to pace him at the Mohican 100 in Ohio. Yeah. And um, he said, I need you to pace me for the last 40 miles. And I'm like, dude, I am not running 40 miles. I've never run more than 26. <laughs> yeah. I'm having like the best year of my life. I'm like, I can't mess. I, can't, I don't want to mess with it. He's like, you're not running 40 miles. He's going to be some hiking, some walking. And that race, I would define that as sort of the pivotal point in my transition from marathon running to ultra running. 
Yeah. And it, it was less about the distance and more about the people. So oh, for wow. the first six, so for the first 60 miles, I crewed him and going from aid station to aid station, the people there were just so amazing. Mm. Um, yeah. Getting to know people, listening to the stories, some of them runners, some of them, you know, older parents or family members that probably have never run in their lives, but they were so inspired by the, the whoever they were there for. And like, that was a huge, probably one of the biggest pieces of it that I still attribute my love of this sport of specifically mm. ultra running is the people that I've encountered, the people that I meet. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that was the biggest element. And then when I finally joined him for you know, mile 60, running in the woods is something that, you know, we did a little bit cause he didn't want me to be the first time on trails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. But I had never been on trails at night. Oh, wow. So being on trails at night with a headlamp, seeing him, you know, just in like the darkest places I've ever had ever seen him. I mean, he is the most optimistic person, just full of energy. And, yeah. you know, it, it was, it was a real, it was, it, neither of us knew that it could be done. Like, yeah. So it was, it was really special to be a part of that. And, and essentially I would say that was a defining and defining uh, moment for me. The following year, 2011, I signed up for 50 miler, and then uh, and then I signed up for my first uh, first hundred right right after that same uh, same year, and <laughs> yeah. it was the rest is history. All right, all right. So yeah, I definitely want to get in that in the, into that progression. So um, yeah, so your first yeah, that's kind of cool that your first experience on 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 trails at an ultra um, you know was was pacing somebody. So that that's pretty cool. And man, I have to. I agree hundred percent. The people in ultra running are amazing. I, I, I get so encouraged. And uh, even when I just go hang out at a race or, or go work at a aid station, I, I have a blast. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And, and I'm inspired by people, you know, pushing through and, and, uh, man, the, the seeing them suffer, but still get it done and get a buckle, man. I love that dude. That's so, so encouraging. You know, um, I get, I get more emotional usually about watching other people than, than I do when I finish, you know, <laughs> I, I am completely with you. Like I, there's a part of me. I mean, I've, 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 we all, at least I think most of us, I'll speak for myself. I have had some dark places during a race, Yeah, but they're usually more in the middle. Yeah. And once I smell, once I see that finish line or know it's there, yeah. For me, it's all excitement. Like I've never really gotten emotional at the end. There's probably one exception, but that's because my whole family was there. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's so, I, I like you said, I, I'm with you. I, I get so much more emotional seeing other people, especially when you've seen them really struggle Yeah. and, uh, and then see them overcome that. And particularly when you're a part of it, it, it just makes it even, even more amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the actual uh, running of the ultras, um, you said, you said, you know, running that, that second New York and continuing on, you said, uh, you know, you talked about these changes, how it's, it's changing you. Of course it's changing you physically, you're getting in shape, you're losing weight. Um, and, and then I guess, you know, you're, you said it's affecting you. How, how is it changing your, your work? Well, you know, what, how is it changing you in that aspect? Is it discipline? Or is it what's going on there? So from a work standpoint, I, I think yeah, this, I mean, discipline, I think it played a role in all parts of my life. And I think yeah. to be good at, at anything, discipline is probably one of the hardest things for, for us to, to embrace, if you would, or um, have probably the best way to describe it. Um, but from a work standpoint, you know, I found that it made me one, I thought things through more. Mm. So where I feel like prior to running, 
I tended to react a lot more to things. Yeah. Where running, especially that time, I'm somebody who I, I will run once in a while with music, sometimes to podcast like, like yours now, <laughs> yeah, um, <nice. laughs> uh, you know, um, sermons I listen to, mm-hmm. but by and large, my favorite time is when I have nothing in my ears except, you know, what's going on and, and it allows me to process things. So for me, I feel like it's made me a lot more, again, the, the discipline has allowed me to be a lot more, um, less reactive, more proactive, yeah. more focused. Um, I think it's made me, so even when I think about the teams that, that I work with and lead, um, I find myself just to be more calm than I previously was less yeah. anxious. Yeah. You know, I feel like a lot of the things that aren't necessarily just work, but everything that I'm saying, I can apply to my family life and yeah. other areas. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think when you, when we're running all these miles and, you know, no race is perfect. Stuff happens. And, and I don't know, you learn what you're capable of. You learn to troubleshoot, you learn to problem solve and, and you, you get a confidence because you face some tough times and, and you figure it out. And when you, you do that in running and then you take that with you to work, you're like, okay, this is a problem. I'll just problem solve or, you know, I'll figure it out or, you know, um, I, so the question I get to, I get to ask this all the time. So, um, you know, you're out there running for hours and hours. What do you think about while you're running? <laughs> Well, you know, you, you think about, I guess, I, I think about everything and anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think it goes through, you do, I've, I've described it a couple of times like this. I don't know if this is the best example, but, you know, people imagine like a race car driver going or making loops. It can get really boring. Yeah. But as I've, as, I've, as I've heard, you know, there's a lot that goes into that that I fully do not appreciate. But, you know, whether it's listening, monitoring gauges and everything else that goes into that. Um, I felt like that when I heard that story, it, it brought it home to me because while I don't have all the gauges, I'm constantly monitoring what's going on yeah. in my body. You know, um, so a big part of it is, you know, when did I last eat? When did I last drink? What am I going to get at the next aid station? What do I need? Whether yeah. that's, you know, what's in my drop bags? Yeah. Um, so, so all of those things are always playing a, a significant uh, a focus. But between those long stretches, I mean, it's everything from, you know, what's going on in my kids' lives? What, what am I doing professionally? Where do I want to be professionally? Um, there's lots of praying that goes on, especially when things get tough. Yeah. Um, you know, my last race this summer, I had three friends, um, all of whom were battling various types of cancer. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at people that are facing those challenges and the fact that you're out on the trails in beautiful parts of the country world, um, it just really puts things in perspective. And, yeah. and so all of that is going on in, in, in between the years, so to speak. Yeah. I tell people, I think about everything and nothing. I, I, yeah, I solve that, all the world perfect. problems and I forget it by the time I get back. <laughs> that's, I actually, and I try to, you know, with the blog I, that I have, I, I do my best to really take key pieces away that I'm mm. like, okay, what do I want to remember? And I'll say it like three or four times. And, and it does, it does work, but not always to your point. There's, there's more that I forget than that. I remember. I'll have to try that though. Cause I, or, or even sometimes I'm tempted to pick up my phone and, and like record what, you know, what I'm thinking of, or when I'm at the gym, I make a note, but I, it's hard to do when you're running. Cause I'll end up on the side, face down on the sidewalk or something, you know? Uh, yeah. Better, better on the sidewalk than, than off the side of a cliff. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, so Tell me, tell me about your first ultra. You said you signed up for a 50 miler. You skipped the 50 K. Yeah. 
Yeah. You, okay. But you, I mean, you've done 40 at the end of a hundred miler kind of, you know, as, as a pacer. So you jumped into a 50 miler. Uh, how did your training change for that, man? And what, which, which 50 miler was it? So it was, uh, it was called Glacier Ridge. It's in Western PA. Um, okay. And it was the first year. I, I quite a few of the races I've, I've done. It, it was the inaugural year. I honestly can't even tell you if it's still going on. Okay. Um, but you know, again, this, my buddy, Bob, who, um, got me into the sport, him and another friend, Mike, um, he, he, he found it, told me that, you know, if you're going to sign up, this would be a good time. And I wanted one that was in the spring because that fall I was going for another marathon. At that point I was all about the marathon. So yeah. my focus was to, you know, again, try to PR again in uh, the September, October timeframe uh, for that race. So, so we did that together. Um, and that was a blast. As far as my training for that, you know, I, I was still very much in the marathon mode again, yeah. like I said. So I'd say probably if I had to say what was the biggest difference between 50 miles and um, the marathon training was probably two things that I still, you know, when people ask me this question, it's, it was um, running a lot more on trails. So distance played less of a role. I mean, ended up running a little bit more by time. I say a little bit more because I was still in the road marathon mindset where yeah. I was all about, you know, looking at mileage. Yeah. Uh, but my buddy Bob helped me to transition to the, looking at the time instead of the, the distance. And the nutrition, that was probably the hardest thing to, to begin to get to dial in, um, yeah. you know, something that I don't mind sharing, but it's, so, so I have a, I have ulcerative colitis, which, you know, okay. is something that, you know, from a dietary standpoint, I have to watch what I eat. And so it was a real challenge for me. And, and so I kept my diet, not only for that race, but even afterwards, really, really simple with like peanut butter and jelly, potatoes you know, things that were very bland in nature and, and, and gels yeah. uh, that didn't always work though. And, and so I learned, but, but that was probably the biggest uh, difference for that 50 miler, which also, you know, for the first hundred carried a lot of those same concepts. Yeah. So going from, from the, uh, from the, the marathon world to 50 miler, how did your body respond as far as like, I guess, recovery, you, you got it done, you achieved it, which is, you know, almost twice as, you know, twice as far as a, as a marathon. How did you, well, how did it feel? I guess emotionally and then physically. <laughs> well, you know, emotionally it was, it was kind of funny when I finished, there was a little bit of frustration because there was some confusion on the course and directions and okay. you know, it was the first year. So the, but uh, that that aside, um, you know, and, and it's not easy for, for those race directors out there. Yeah. Um, aside from that, that little bit, you know, as far as my body, um, it really recovered. So at the end of the race, I was completely destroyed. I mean, I was hurting. It, it was it, it felt a lot harder than a marathon at the end of that first 50 miler. Yeah. But what I would say, and this is definitely true even today, my body recovered a lot more quicker yeah um because you're using as you know i mean and everyone who i'm sure a lot of you folks that are listening we're just using different muscles throughout the in the in legs throughout an ultra on trails because it was it was a you know i don't want to say it was a technical trail given what i've done since then yeah but it was definitely not a uh a, a you know it wasn't an easy course put it that way so right. in a lot of ways i felt like my body recovered a, a, more quickly yeah. I usually say I've done where I've done a marathon and then 
the the following week did a 50 miler and I recovered much faster from the the 50 miler. Um, I think partially, I mean, same thing, you're using different muscles, but also man, concrete and asphalt will beat you up, man. <laughs> oh, amen. That, I'm telling you, and I, people are always amazed at that. And I, I find the same thing is true with a hundred miler. You know, my body, I find running a fast marathon, my body hurts longer than after, you know, a hundred in the mountains. Yeah. Now, mentally it takes a lot longer to recover, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but physically the, the, the aches and pains aren't there. So yeah, as, now, to the same degree. Have you, have you done a hundred, a hundred on a, on, on asphalt or concrete yet? Not yet. That's, oh man. That's... It, it, it's 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 going to happen. Well, I don't know if it'll happen on concrete or asphalt, but I definitely want to try something, you know, tunnel Hill is definitely on the radar. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I paced my buddy at Umstead in North Carolina. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of them that I'm looking at, but nice, nice. Uh, so, so you, you, you got the 50 done and, um, you know, you had to, had to, you know, to heal up, you're still doing marathons and stuff. What got you to, to take that next step and, and sign up. And, and I think I know if it's right on your ultra sign up, but, um, what, what was your, you know, what got, what, what brain wise allowed you to sign up for a hundred miler and, um, and, and why the one I think you chose. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny. So um, I I didn't even want to do the 50 miler. Uh, the only reason why I did it is because my buddy said, "You, oh. please, Nick, just do that first before you jump into 100. Peer pressure. Which, okay. which, which, which I, was, was really good advice because, like I said, I learned a lot about nutrition even in that first 50 miler. Um, the only thing that my buddy told me was, and like I said, at this point now, it's, there's a couple of, there's more guys that are involved, but it was like, <laughs> you're not allowed to sign up for an easy hundred. So, you know, it couldn't be like a one, one on the, uh, ultra, you know, whatever yeah, that scale yeah, that is. Scale. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'm like, all right. So I had to find one that based upon like calendar and work schedule and everything else. And, and you know, I find this one out in California and, um, I think it was, it was, it's a pretty grueling one. So, <laughs> You know, I'm like, all right, go big or go home again. You know, my first race was, you know, a marathon. So if I'm going to go to hundred, let me choose something that's a little bit challenging. And when I went on to ultra sign up, this was a race that was open and worked with my schedule. And so it was the Chimera 100. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a doozy. <laughs> so it was no so joke. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, you, you looks like you, you did well with it. You got it, you know, 26 hours, 26, 11. And, uh, tell me about that race. Cause, uh, I haven't, I haven't run it. Just kind of heard some things about it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it's a really cool, it was, a, and again, I know it's changed since, uh, 2012, but back then it was like, you know, you did a couple of loops. So, you know, there are a couple of aid stations that you went back to, and so from like a, a crewing standpoint, my buddy Bob was out there with me. He, you know, it, you know, he was awesome just because of his experience and knowledge. So, um, you know, the first part of it, like everybody else, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go out fast, but I come from marathon. So <laughs> yeah, best, best, you know, like everybody else. Adrenaline, so I emotion. <laughs> And you know, what's kind of funny is that race. And I'd say almost every hundred since then, the same thing that happens. I probably run the first marathon, first 20 miles, like a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then the wheels come off and my, my dark spots through most of my races are almost always like between miles 35 and 45. Like mm. I know that's what, and, and the wheels did come off. I mean, I was in really bad shape. He sort of just told me, told me, I just got to keep going. And, you know, I don't really ever think that I thought about dropping. Um, yeah. But I, I honestly just didn't know if I would finish. It, it was less about worrying about dropping and more about missing a cutoff and missing times. Yeah. Um, you know, some great memories from that race. I mean, when you're up on some of those mountains and you're looking down at the coast and you can see all the city lights, yeah. it was really spectacular. And so once I got through that, that 50, through the halfway point, I felt like I was over this hump and, and, and things started to get better. And then uh, my pacer jumped in around mile 75 mm. And at that point, I kept telling myself, you have a marathon left. You have a marathon left. And really, um, really began to pick it up, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and had a great finish. But it was, uh, there were some really, really dark spots there. And I, I attribute it more than anything else to just still trying to figure out nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing when you, when you do your first hundred and you're um, like, you're having a low point, like, you know, mile 35 or 40 and you're, you're, you're suffering and you think, man, I've got like, I got a 65, 70 miles, you know, left. That's, that'll mess with you, man. You got, you got to, yeah. you got to, how did you focus that? How did you, you know, what did you do? What did you tell yourself? Um, I think the, the, the hardest thing, that it was for me in terms of trying to was trying to stick to the plan that we had laid out ahead of time. So, you know, I knew where, like I knew where certain cutoffs were. So, you know, I I think to keep going um, and remembering what I, you know, what the goal was. So with, with the marathons for me, it was always about time. You know, I went into this first hundred with, you just need to finish it. Yeah. And I think like most of us, you do have a time in the back of your mind. But for me, it was really about your goal is to finish this thing. So your goal is about to, to keep moving. Yeah. And, uh, and, and particularly with, with, you know, I'm a big believer and I, I'm guilty of this is I, I probably spent way too much time in a lot of the aid stations Yeah. and it's taken me years to try to figure that out. Like, how do I balance that better? Yeah, it, it, it's tough, you know, because I, I, I tell some of the runners I coach, I say, take take the time you need, because if you forget something and, you you know, you leave and you don't have nutrition, you don't have a bottle filled, you don't have a light, you don't have. But d- don't take any more than that, you know, so it's hard. It's hard to balance that out because sometimes an extra two minutes will save you five on the course, but sometimes, you know, extra five minutes won't really help you. And, and, and it adds up over time. So it's, it's, I don't know, we all got to learn our, our best way to be efficient, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I always believe that, you know, you hear people say, beware of the chair. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I think for me, that's like the thing, like, I don't mind spending a little extra time to get, you know, make sure that I have everything in my pack, but man, I, and the, what, like I said, I always remember from that race too, sitting in one of the aid stations in the middle of the night and there was a bunch of people that were dropping mm. and like you'd hear one person drop and another person like oh yeah i don't know if i'm gonna go out and then i heard a couple of like the, the people at the volunteers saying you know you guys need to get out of here yeah. you know, like and and they kicked kicked a bunch of us out and 
And I always remember that, that there was, and again, it, it's one of those lessons I think applies to life. Yeah. When you're around a lot of people that are doubting themselves, they mm. can really impact you. And so I always try to like keep that in mind when I'm at the aid station, especially if I'm working at an aid station as a volunteer, yeah. to really try to be that uplifting, more, you know, you know, positive person that's going to get those people back out if they're doubting themselves. Yeah, that's that's all. And sometimes sometimes it just takes, you know, something like like that, somebody else being positive to flip a switch, you know, like to just get to the next aid station, you know, don't, you know, don't do it now. You got time go, you know? So, um, no, that's, and, and that's, that's, um, that's one of, I think that's one of those lessons you talked about, you know, we talked about earlier about discipline and all things like that, but even attitude is huge in, in, in ultra running, but also in in life, you know, Uh, two people can be in the same situation and, and both looking at it, different ways, you know, and, uh, yeah. you got sometimes you just got to change your perspective and be positive about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you got that one done, man. Uh, how did you, how'd your body respond to that hundred miles trails, mountains? Oh man. I, you know, the, 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 the weirdest thing for me after that one was I honestly thought I was going to sleep for days and, you know, I probably slept for like three or four hours and boom was up. Um, yeah. Things are twitching and hurting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> all, your body's jacked up. Yes. <laughs> and, and man, it was, uh, I'll tell you, flying from California back to Philly. Oh. Um, that was probably one of the worst flights, but uh, I don't remember much of it. I would say I was truly passed out literally on that flight. <laughs> um, there's a great story along with that, but I won't bore you with it. But yeah, I mean, I was out cold and, uh, um, you know, it took a couple of days to get back into it. Um, you know, again, I, once again, I was surprised at how well my body responded a couple of days afterwards, mm-hmm. but initially excuse, everything just, everything just really hurt. Um, yeah. so it was just a matter of, you know, taking care. And again, that's, if you have good people, especially experienced people to bounce ideas off of and just understand, so, you know, uh, you know, it's being told, you know, making sure getting in protein, mm-hmm. make sure plenty of fluids. Yeah. And I think all of those things, just like in training after a hundred, you got to replenish your body with that stuff. And, yeah. and again, that's the last thing that you want to do usually, at least yeah. for me, my stomach's usually wrecked at the end of it. And, uh, but, you know, definitely got, you know, taking care of the nutrition part and, and replenishing the body. I definitely think helped with the physical pain, yeah. but the mental one is something that, uh, you know, especially for me, you know, I was, I was up all night, first time up all night in that setting. It was, uh, mentally it was, it was, it was rough. Yeah. You kind of brain dead for a while. I, I've never had to fly like right after, um, I, I'd be, did you cramp? I mean, cause those planes are kind of tight and you can't truly stretch out. And, oh, I just, I, I feel like I, I can feel it, you know? <laughs> well, I, and I, I try, I put on like compression socks and everything, but it, <laughs> Like I said, I mean, the, the, the main benefit that I had was I literally was out, yeah. out cold yeah, yeah. Um, for, for most of it. But yeah, just even walking on the plane, you know, like, you know, after a, after a marathon, you know, you at least wear your, your, you know, your medal and hope that somebody yeah. sees it, yeah. you know, but. Uh, what you going to so do? Hold, hold your buckle, you know, buckle, your, yeah. walk out with your waist sticking out. <laughs> well, at that point, I didn't even, I didn't even have a, you know, belt for a buckle. I had to get oh, yeah. that, you know, a while yeah. later. So. 
so I'm just like, everyone's thinking like, what's wrong with this guy? And, <laughs> you know, you, you want to be all proud, but I didn't, I didn't even have like all the swag going on at that yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh man. So, so you go through all that, you recover. Um, and then, and then yeah, you signed up for another hundred and, and, and <laughs> another one that's just not easy. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it, um, yeah. Leadville, right? Leadville. Yeah. No, I know that. So I'm, now it's really getting crap. People are like, what are you doing? Like you like jumped into the deep end of the pool. I'm like, again, man, go big, go home. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, at that point, at that point now, I think I had just started reading born to run. Oh, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, once I read that, I'm like, Oh, I, I, I'm definitely trying to do that. Run one. forever. <laughs> and you know, back then that race was a lot easier to get into than it is now. Yeah. I've been trying, um, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping this year. So. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I still say that was probably my best from a performance standpoint. One of the best races that I've had, I, I, I crossed that finish line completely emptied. Mm. But even, even that, I mean, that's a whole story. And one of the, another reason why I fell further in love with this sport, you know, I, I knew nothing about Leadville other than what I read in born to run. Yeah. I had a business trip out there in, I think it was May reached out to the local running group. And this one girl says, well, I'll meet you at the coffee shop. So, cause I, and I wanted to do hope pass and she's like, yeah, you're not getting over hope pass. It's all covered in snow in May. Yeah. I'll take you on the power line. So we spent the day running and uh, it turns out this girl is like legit rock star. Yeah. Um, her name is Layla DeGrave. She hasn't been running too much, but so she was running Western States. Okay. <laughs> and I needed a pacer. So I'm like, look, I'll pace you. Can you help pace me when I do Leadville this summer? This summer? So she finished top 10 at Western States. So again, <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. Legit. I'm like yeah. legit. So I'm just like, holy cow. And, so then she, she picked me up at Winfield and I, you know, at that point now I like read up on her and I was like, all right, this like, so I had to like step up my game. I was about to say, dude, yeah, then, I'm doing some, some, some definitely speed work. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and honestly, I mean, I, I, I got to the top of whole pass and really had a bump big time. And again, little things you learn. There was a, one of the women working there is like, look, you need to drink all this chicken noodle soup. Mm. and drink this can of Coke. I will tell you within five minutes of that soup and that Coke game on rocket fuel, went brother. Down, <laughs> rocket fuel went down into Winfield. She was there. I told her what happened. She made me drink more soup, more Coke. And I mean, that second half of that race, I, I still, you know, I look at my results and, you know, when you look, look at like those, I was like in I know, like top 90, when you look at that 90, I mean, most of those people are from Colorado, you know, Bozeman, Bozeman, Montana. And so here I am a flatlander. I'm like, whoa, you know, so I, I felt really, I still say again, that was probably one of my best races in terms of like result. Um, things just yeah. really, really, everything clicked. And, and I attribute a lot of that to, to Layla and this other girl, Heidi, who paced me for the, the last part. That's, that's awesome. So, Hey, being a flatlander from South Louisiana, live in Oklahoma. And, uh, how did you, I mean, it sounds like you you did some, a little bit of traveling and stuff. So you were able to hit some mountains, but how did, how did you, you know, your regular training go preparing for some of these races? What did you do in order to get some mountain legs? (laughs) 
So the, I would say the mountain legs really just had to do a lot of short hill repeats. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really all I can do where I am. I mean, when I say short hills, I, the longest climb that I have that's within driving range is probably, you know, well, actually we have what's called Mount Tammany, which will give me about 1200 feet in about a mile and a half. Okay. Which is, which is pretty yeah. decent. Yeah. Um, so, but when it comes to Leadville, especially with the altitude, I had reached out to somebody on, uh, in Runner's World magazine. I won't go into the details, but the advice that was given to me was, number one, you either need to show up seven to 10 days early or right before the race. Yep. And from a training standpoint, try to train in the hottest part of the day. Do some speed work, push your body. And I did that during lunch, like a lunch hour. Yeah. I would do, you know, 30, 40 minutes. If I, you know, if I was home on the weekend, I would actually do some of my speed work on the weekend yeah. um, to try to get like, just to do some really like four, eight hundreds, which sounds crazy, but yeah. I, I don't need to tell you, but up here, you know, it gets really humid. So, you know, you're running at 90 degrees in the humidity on the track yeah. that taxes your body. And I do think that those things all played a role. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's when I was training in South Louisiana, the humidity, you know, was a huge asset to when, when I, you know, get out in altitude and other places. And it's pretty humid here in Oklahoma, not, not quite as bad, but, but it was, it was bad in South Louisiana. <laughs> so, um, no, that's, that's good, man. That's good. And uh, one, one little thing that we would always do is uh parking towers. We'd run, <laughs> we'd run the parking towers after hours, man. <laughs> that's our, that was yeah. our mountains. <laughs> The only thing that came close to that for me was when I was traveling on business, yeah. I would do the, uh, the, um, stairwells. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So do, you know, if it was 10, 15 floors, just run up the stairs. I would usually take the elevator down Yeah. just cause I, I always felt like, you know, running downhill on trails. I love descent. Yeah. But it, on a staircase, it's not really running. So, and I yeah. just felt like my legs just, it, it, it I felt like I was doing more da damage than good. Yeah. That was my, that was my personal feeling. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but Nick, how do you put that on Strava? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the elevator ride on Strava? I mean, come on now. <laughs> uh, dude, you gotta remember, man, you gotta remember my age back then. We didn't have Strava when yeah, I first saw it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it. Yeah. 2013. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I wasn't Strava there either. So. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> so, so man, just, just in, in a, I'm looking at all your races and, and like, you just, you look like you were having a blast signing up and you weren't signing up for the, the easiest races. Uh, Pinhoti uh, was, you, you did Leadville in August and then Pinhoti in November. I mean, why not? You know, just, just do another one. Um, and then, uh, and then I, 2014, June of 2014, you got into Western States. Uh, so tell me, tell me about your Western States experience, man. Well, I, I made a lot of enemies because at that point, I really didn't know too many. And I say that jokingly, but I didn't know a lot of the local ultra runners. I really only had my, my one good friend, Bob. And uh, I, I found out another guy who got into Western who lived pretty close by. So I reached out to him and he was part of a whole running group that gets together on the weekends. Yeah. So I joined them and we're talking and he's like, they're like, so how long have you been trying to get into Western? I'm like, oh, it was my first try. I, I just said it out loud. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say I wasn't popular. They were just like, you know, we really don't like guys like you. So <laughs> I got in my again. ticket. So I got in with two tickets. So it's like, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, New York, my first, 
But um, yeah, man. So I, I knew I knew it was a huge deal. Got to make it um, count. Yeah. Yeah, and so so I went in there, and you know, I had a really good race up in Hody. Went into you know Western states thinking I was going to crush it. You know, I hate sometimes telling these stories because. I feel like I'm making an excuse, but I do think that, you know, for somebody else out there, for them to hear it. Yeah. So Western States, when I did it in 14, it was really dry. So we had no snow up on the top of uh, Squaw Peak. And um, they even told us at the briefing that if dust bothers you, you may want to wear some kind of buff over your face. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I, had, I had asthma growing up, but at that point, I had never had any kind of breathing issues. Hmm. And, um, by the time I got down to really by the bottom of devil's thumb, I was just having a lot of trouble breathing yeah. and then double devil's thumb. I got to the top and I, I didn't know if I'd be able to finish. Um, but you know, I just had to go more slowly than I planned. Things eventually got a little bit better, but my breathing was never right. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, it's, it's one of those stories where I reached out to on, I forget which website it was but found some local guy who offered to pace me. He had yeah. never run an ultra himself. So I'm like, but again, it was, it was another friendship, this guy, James. And it, you know, it's just, it's so cool. Like almost every race I've had, I've sort of made new friends that, you know, are just some of the coolest individuals that I've gotten to know over the years. Um, yeah. Some of them have been a short relationship, but some of them, you know, have been years now. Yeah. And um, the Western was just, it was everything that the hype it hyped up to be, so yeah. to speak. And uh, I mean, the, the people, I, I just remember how, you know, I went into, um drawing a blank and all the names of the aid stations, yeah. but um, Michigan Bluff. And I, I didn't have my headlamp with me because I thought, you know, I was going to get to Forest Hill while it was still, you know, yeah. plenty yeah. of life. And <laughs> yeah. a couple of guys offered me their headlamps. And it was just, it was the things like that. It just reinforced mm. how special you know, even a race that size, there's still that amazing community that rallies for the runners and uh, just, just had a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, to, to finish on that track, I will, I will say that was the first race where I had a beer um, going <laughs> after Ruby Point, had yeah. a beer going up there. And uh, I was like, wow, I've never done this before. <laughs> yeah, It was cool. Celebration. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I had a, a, a Last year I did uh, the Love It uh, 100 this past year, and um, it got it was cold and it got rainy, and I was trying to catch first place. I was in second, and um, it got, I was I was get I was wet, but I was whatever. And this lady just hand gives me her rain jacket, her uh, you know, like she said, here, just take it. And so my pacer's like, you know her? I was like, I, no, <laughs> I don't know who she is. Ended up meeting her when I was pacing my pacer at a uh, Arkansas traveler. She was running an aid station. She's like, I remember you. I gave you my jacket. And I was like, yeah. So, and it's just, you know, just uh, what an amazing, uh, you know, group of people, you know, that you meet at these things. They're just so giving and helpful and encouraging. And uh, man, I, lo I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm with you. And that's why people are like, what, you know, you're going to do another one. I'm like, even if I don't get in like next week is the big lottery for, uh, well, for both Western and hard rock, you know, if I don't get into hard rock, I'm going to be there, whether yeah, it's as a yeah. runner or, or volunteering. Cause I, I just, I love that race. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got to get there for sure. Of course. But, so, <laughs> so you did, but I, what I thought was cool is you did Western and Eastern in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> just a couple of June and August, man. That's pretty I, cool. I, I, 
I coined it the state slam. The state I was, slam. I, I guess that was the first one to do it. I think uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh but, man, uh, I, I know. I know the time has been beaten, but uh, you know, it was, it was East. That was the first year that they ran Eastern again, and um, okay, you know. So it was uh, fortunately, I, I spent some time. I, they sent out the GPX file, went out there in advance. Um, but man, that that course because it's in August. Um, it was humid. It was rough. It's rocky, yeah. but it's, it's an awesome course. You know, I know they've had some issues, um, a couple of years ago. I haven't followed it as closely, but it, I think it's a race that has potential to really, uh, from an East coast standpoint, really be a, a, a race that a lot of folks would want to uh, check out if they love hard hundreds. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe maybe they need to move it to where it's got a little cooler or something. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, you've done and and like like many of us, man, you've caught the bug. You, you uh look like you you're doing these amazing races. And so I'm gonna have to skip a few. I hate doing it, but we're gonna skip a few, but I gotta get to UTMB, man. Um 2016, I guess you got your points and you got into UTMB. That is a and, and before that, I'm looking at Cruel Jewel, Havelina, um, Cruel Jewel twice. And then, and then, you know, and you got a taste at Western, the kind of the big, big race. But, but man, I haven't been to UTMB, but, you know, I've seen all the videos. And tell me about your first experience out there, man, in Chamonix. So, you know, when I went out there, it was that year was, was going to be a special year for a couple of reasons. One was I took my whole family. We did a trip around europe really mostly italy wow. leading up to the race which was Whoa. a big mistake in some ways <laughs> okay okay but you know my kids were all in school so and the race is the last week in august so we literally knew we would the race finished we were gonna have to get back home so they could start school that week yeah so i didn't really have a choice and at that point i was like this race is a dream of mine but yet the, the, the trip was a once in a lifetime yeah. My son was going to be getting ready to go to college. So I was like, oh. it might be the last time we go on a trip together. Yeah. Um, so I bring all that up because <laughs> I showed up to the start line. It's a 6 p.m. start, which I had been used to because uh, I had uh, done uh, or been, been at um, Brinestone, which is similar. 6 p.m. start. But after, you know, traveling all over the place with my family, <laughs> I was not well rested. Yeah. And so I went, that was probably the first race in a while where, it was truly just to finish it. Yeah. Um, I could tell you more about the race, but in the interest of time, what I will say is to me, that is one of my favorite races. I love that race. I know there's a lot of folks that don't like it for a whole host of reasons, but the crowds are like nothing else. Western States is cool, yeah. but you know, UTMB is Western States on steroids when it comes to the crowds, the fans, the views are just, absolutely breathtaking it's just amazing how you're running through a little town in the middle of the night and you have kids and families and grandmothers out there cheering you on it's <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> it is so amazing there's there's i think a couple of things that makes it really hard especially for american runners to get used to but if you go with there with the right mindset it is an awesome race yeah and 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 I would think if I would go it, for me, it would end up being just like to get through it and knowing it might be a grind because if you go into the mindset, you're going to crush it and it ends up being a grind. That'll mess with you. So, so you gotta, and, and it looks like, I mean, 
uh, you got it done, but it looks like you had to grind it out a little bit there. <laughs> well, I, 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 I slept, I joke, I slept half of it. I mean, okay, okay. I, I went into so many aid stations where I'm just like, okay, do you have any costs? And I, I had to sleep. I was, Look at this American. <laughs> just sleep. Oh, I was exhausted. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, that was the hardest thing for me was it wasn't like I had any stomach or any issues like that, just but fatigue. it was definitely fatigue yeah. um, that played the biggest role. And okay. I think, you know, I think the hardest thing for, for me too, with that race in particular was one, it was the first time that I had used poles. Okay. And I'm glad that I did. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, you know, these aid stations, their food is very different than ours <laughs> and there's nobody there to help you. So, yeah. you know, you go into most of the ultras that, that we do, you know, you usually have like somebody helping you out, changing yeah. your shoes, but with 2,600 runners, you're on your own. Yeah. And, and without having a crew there for some folks, that's a, it's a mindset shift. Um, yeah. So if you, if you go there knowing that it's, it's an awesome race. Yeah, it's 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 on the list, but boy, a lot of things will have to line up to get out there, you know. Yeah, as it sounds like it for you, you know, it had just had to line up, you know. Yep. Oh man, well, um, so yeah, beautiful. You got to <laughs> you got you got to do that. Uh, you, oh wait, you did UTMB twice? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> I don't like you anymore, man. That's, I'm just, I'm just I'm looking at the. That's no, that's awesome, dude. That's great. Uh, well, well, and I'm hoping I'm going trying again this year. So in in, the, in years past, if you had enough points, if you didn't get in two years in a row, the third year was an automatic entry. Yeah. So that's how I got back in in 19. And when I went out there in 2019, I, you know, at that point I went by myself. Okay. So I thought I was going to race it. Yeah. Again, once again, plans. You finish faster. You finish quicker. Finish faster. Great race. The experience was just as amazing. And uh, and like I said, I'm hoping I'm I'm throwing my name back in the hat again this year. But I think the odds are a lot less for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. Well, um, I have to make mention of uh, of a race real quick that I, I looked. You and I were both at Sangre de Crista in Westcliff in 2019, and oh, we wow. both we both ran 50 miles. But the problem for me is I was supposed to run 100. <laughs> so <laughs> when I got back to the start finish, the altitude was messing with me, and it was one of those races I went in with the mindset to race. And um, yeah, it was going to be a grind out, and my my heart was anyway. I was having issues, and I, I punked out. So. <laughs> dnf did so <laughs> oh man uh, but uh but yeah that race was all i actually made some really amazing friends uh there uh yeah. some, some of whom have helped me out at my races that i've done since then so that's that's that is, that's a really cool uh cool race yeah that that uh that climb up uh what is it music uh that, oh, yeah, last, yeah. That, that first and last climb oh <laughs> yeah, Brutal. That's, the fir- first time wasn't too bad but next time yeah <laughs> not good <laughs> oh and the first time coming down it was fun the second yeah. time coming down yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well uh oh man we got so much so much here but uh i i i you know you got you got family and all that i, I have to ask before we get to uh we got to talk about hard rock but uh the high what high five 100 um Tell me about that. I'm not, I'm not familiar. I know I've heard a little bit about it. Tell me what that is. So I, honestly, that is one of the, that is, I would argue one of the coolest races in the country. Okay. Um, that I really hope more people learn about. Okay. It's a small race. So they have only like a field of just over, I think 30 to 40 folks. It's a lot more. Um, there's not necessarily a course. So you okay. have, I think it's, 
I'm making some of this up, but you have like, let's say 20 checkpoints that you have to hit. Okay. And what it, what you end up doing is you hit five, 14,000, you know, 14 peaks, 14ers um, in the San Juan mountain range, including, you know, I mean, two of them are amazing. Uncompadre, which is like 14.3. Yeah. And then Wetterhorn, which is, I believe, is like a class three or more. Um, I mean, you're fully exposed. There's yeah. no room for error. And it's a race that I would have never done because I'm all about, I want a course that's well marked. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want aid stations every, you know, at least 10 miles, if not less, preferably. Yeah. And this is no aid stations, no course marking. <laughs> you're, you're orienteering to a certain degree. I mean, it's not the same thing as, you know, folks over in Europe, but, and so, it, but the only reason, so I, I had gotten to know the race director, Logan at Hard Rock volunteering there. And when he told me about it, I said, you're nuts, dude. Like that's an awesome race, but you're nuts. <laughs> and I never, like I said, I'm more high maintenance, but when the <laughs> pandemic, when the pandemic hit, yeah, you know, I was number three on the wait list for hard rock that got canceled. Yeah. There were no races. So I was talking to Logan and he's like, dude, now's your chance to run high five. I'm like, no way. <laughs> Long story. I did it. It was the most, it, it, it really changed my whole perceptions of what I'm capable of. Mm. Um, you know, I'm no longer afraid of getting lost because I had to learn about maps and just orienteering. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went down this one shoot off of Uncompadre that was not recommended, <laughs> nor would I recommend it. Yeah. But I was just like, it was like, you know, I, I, I joked when I wrote my, my post, I'm like, I, I harnessed my inner Killian. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Everybody um, knows what that means exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They've seen it. <laughs> and uh, I, I'll tell you, man, it was, it, it was a really super tough race because you basically summit five 14ers in the first 50 miles. Wow. And then the second 50 miles you're running along the Colorado uh, trail. Yeah. It is, it is an awesome, but brutally tough course that, uh, that, that's, that's amazing. Nice. That's awesome, man. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm gonna have to look into that a little bit more. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for that info on that, man. Yeah. Um, so, well, Long story short, I just we got to talk about July. I said, look at you, you, you did Hard Rock, and then and then uh, September you did the Bear. So I'm like, what is? So I looked at your ultra side and I'm like, he's he's, he's kind of nuts. He picked some hard races, but dude, Hard Rock. I saw I saw your profile picture, kissing the rock, man. Um, tell me tell me your experience with Hard Rock, man. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, so. I I, you know, Hard Rock, I mean, it, it, was, it was eight years in the making. When I first got into this sport, I had always heard about that race. Uh, started volunteering at it a few years before, um, I think 2017 or 2018, at the Sherman Aid Station, which is one of the most remote aid stations, mm. um, and just fell in love with the group. When I got in, when I was number three on the wait list in 2019, I mean, I was all excited. Then the friggin' avalanches canceled it. 2020, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so this year I was like, and then after the high five, what I'd heard from a lot of the guys were, if you finish the high five, you're going to do great at hard rock because high five is harder. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so, so mentally I was really confident. And then in uh, the end of April, I ended up sort of, it was an overuse injury. My um, basically it was like my hips. I won't go into all the details, but I was, I couldn't run. So mm. I couldn't run for three weeks. 
Wow. Um, and even then I just started walking. So I didn't know whether or not I was even going to be able to, you know, make it to the starting line. And I didn't want to waste somebody's spot. But in June, I went out, I had a business trip up to uh, Montana and I did, I did some running in the mountains and it felt great. So I'm like, all right, game on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing that I did, and again, the pandemic really allowed me a lot of flexibility um, with travel. So I went out to uh, Colorado where I'd gotten to know a lot of the people and was out there for over two weeks before the race, which I think really helped with, with acclimating. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you the, the race was, was everything it, it hyped up to be. I mean, um, to line to, to be, first of all, at the starting line with, you know, whether it was Francois or, um, you know, um, oh, God, I can't believe it. Courtney. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, to, to be at the starting line with like those people, I mean, it, it was just an amazing feeling. And I knew how special it was and how, how humbled I was to be a part of that, that group. Yeah. To toe that line. Um, but man, it is a beast. I mean, you know, your first, your first climb up Little Giant is, uh, is, is tough. Um, the descent is, is not much easier, but I think there were a lot of folks, as I've heard that really had a tough time on, um, going up Handy's peak, which is, yeah. you know, the one fourteener. that's probably about mile 40, give or take, don't quote me on any of those, uh, estimates, but that's probably where I really bumped again, right between that 30 to 50 mile range and really struggled until I got to Uray. And when I got to Uray, I just was, I, I, I definitely wasn't electrolytes because I was doing plenty of shit, assault, but I took a 15 minute nap that reset the brain and yeah. then uh, went out and had, had an, an amazing second half. I mean, going up, uh, you know, I'm drawing a blank on all the names now yeah. probably because I'm on podcast, but um, I mean, it was, it, it, it's, it's an awesome race. It was really tough. But the, the the people there, just everyone that wants to be, wants to see you finish it, and, and yeah. you feel that, and um, so it was really cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, I just kudos to you for for just attempting, you know, get out there and and attempting the hard stuff, man, and uh, you know, and and just just giving it a shot, grinding it out. So I have to before I ask you, I got to ask you a big question. But uh, what about two hundreds, man? What you think? <laughs> That's, that's, it's definitely on the list. All right. Um, all right. Got a Tahoe a bit, right there. There's a Tahoe 200 buckle somewhere right there. <laughs> the, the, the two that are definitely that are high on my list. And again, they're actually not even in the U S so in 2023, I think I think of the year. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a couple of guys we want to do PTL, which huh. is the, uh, it's the race that's part of the UTMB series. Okay. You're, you're a team and you have to finish together. Okay. And it's, it's, it's over 200 miles. You basically are, instead of going around Mont Blanc, you go, I think over part of it, it's a really cool, difficult course. Yeah. And you have to have a, you have to have helmet ropes. It's, it's insane. Oh man. Um, but, but there's a couple, but definitely the ones out West, uh, you know, Candace, that Candace puts on. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to check out some of her races. Um, it's on the list. 
Good. That's nice. I, I have to ask because I mean, you're grinding out these 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 tough tough races, and it sounds like it would be your cup of tea. Uh, you know, some people are just like a ah, hundred's good, but yeah, sounds like you you, you get a kick out of that. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like like I said, this year it's like with these lotteries between Western Hard Rock and UTMB. It's like if I don't get into any of them, that could be on the on the on the books. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Well, um, so. Uh, all throughout this running journey, it's and and what I found reading your blog is really really interesting that your your running journey kind of your as your running evolved, it sounds like your your faith. Um, I guess I don't know. I would say solidified. I don't want to say evolved, but maybe grew or solidified. And so I mean, I I I, I want to hear from your mouth. You know, I read part of what you wrote and stuff, but but tell me about how how that has changed you. We talked about your, your discipline and all that and running and stuff, but tell me, you know, a little bit about your, your, your faith story and, and how that's traveled with you. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up as a Christian, but I wasn't somebody who went to church all the time. Yeah. And um, even when I got married, the only reason really why I went to church was because my wife dragged me and, (laughs) and eventually because we had kids and I knew it was good for them. Yeah. Um, but it really wasn't, you know, I really say that I came, I accepted Jesus as my Lord in really at, I would say at the Boston Marathon in 2010. Really? And, and I even feel like it's captured on video to a certain degree. So there's a, on my site, but anybody could Google it. It's, it's uh, called Magic in the Marathon by Josh Cox. And he, he taped something. But essentially the reason why it played a role is, I'll tell you the the short version, but in 2006, when I ran with those elite guys, especially Josh and Dan Brown were men of faith. And they talked about that prior to the race. And I heard some of their stories. Then in my daughters were all in the choir. So they were singing a lot of songs that were in my head when I was running. Yeah. And so that all started planting seeds. And then in 2008, Josh Cox put out this, podcast called magic in the marathon with ryan hall um and i watched that youtube video and it just he he preached on um matthew 25 and the parable of talents Mm. and how we need to do you know more all that we can do with our talents and it just really struck me so all of this is planted have planted seeds and the reason why 2010 was this amazing moment was i had just finished um breaking three hours, as I mentioned, you know, yeah. a month prior, sent Josh, Dan, and everybody email saying, thank you. You know, you guys have played a role in my physical and spiritual journey. You know, thank you for being a part of it. Yeah. As I'm running, we're coming up to Heartbreak Hill, and I see this guy who has this tattoo on his side in Hebrew letters. And the only reason why I don't read Hebrew, but I know that they the letters spell jesus in hebrew because there's only one other guy that i ever saw who had that was josh cox yeah so i'm like that can't be him in the back of the pack again (laughs) sure enough it was pacing somebody else yeah and i'm like oh i'm like wow like josh nick ferrara and he's like my wife and i just got your email like a couple of days ago and we were so moved by it and it was so funny it was like at that moment I realized so many things in my life, whether it was getting in the New York city marathon for the first time and a whole host of other events that took place when I was younger. Yeah. That a lot of people would say, Nick, man, you're lucky. You're so fortunate. You're so this, 
And I'm like, no, I'm blessed, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and I realized how God has played a role in my life throughout this journey. Mm. And literally it was, I finished that race and I'm like, wow, like I need to start, you know, thanking the Lord for all that he's done for me. Yeah. And so from that, I had started a, a Christian running group that was going on for about 10 years or just under that. But, uh, but I really wanted that to be a part. And that's really how the blog came about because yeah. I, I'm not a professional runner. I'm definitely not a pastor or anything of that sort. But I feel like, you know what, if I can add a little bit to somebody, whether it's on the running front or on the, mm. on the faith front, then that, that, that's, that's, that, if that's what the talent, so to speak, that God gave me, yeah. let me do with it as much as I can. Um, yeah. And, and that's really how that all, you know, transformed and or trans, you know, turned out over time. But, and then the ultras, I really feel like the that connection with, with my faith and with the Lord has just gotten even stronger Yeah, because it's hard to be on some of those peaks or in the woods in the middle of the night without thinking about, you know, why am I here? Um, what am I doing? And, and all those difficult questions that I don't know if I get answers to them, yeah. <laughs> um, but I find like I, I, I can find more peace with them um, mm. than, than if I'm distracted by work or social media or computers or Netflix or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and, and dude, some of the things that we get to see, I just, I just, I don't know. I can't help, but just worship when I see some of the things that, you know, that God's put out there, you know, just like, look at this, you know, I get to be here and see this and, you know, God, thank you for this view, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's, you know, that's why I said I brought up New York because I used to go to New York and I used to be so amazed by some of the architecture and just yeah. thought, thought it was so beautiful. And then I'll tell you, man, the first time I stood on top of a, you know, 14,000 foot peak and looked out. And I always tell people, man, you, you can't even take a picture of it because it just never does it justice. It never, never. never. <laughs> it's like, look at, oh man. It's like, it's like, uh, well, uh, and so I, I want to, uh, I definitely want to share, uh, I'll share your website. It's footprintsonthecourse.com, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then I believe on it and I'll put links to some of the, uh, the, the videos you were talking about from, um, from Josh Cox with Ryan Hall, which I, I've been following Ryan Hall, by the way, Ryan Hall is jacked now. Have you seen that dude? dude <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I, I, I like, I wish he was still running, yeah, but yeah. Dude, what, what he's, what he's accomplished is impressive, man. So I used to joke cause we're the same height. And like when he, you know, I started running marathons, he was, he was, he was doing the thing and I was always rooting for him, him being a believer, a Christian, just a good guy. Yeah. And I was like, we're the same height, but he's like 40 pounds less than I am. And, uh, I said, man, I, I, I might better run that fast if I could get that. Now nah, he's heavier than me now. <laughs> Dude, all muscle though, man. He's probably still the same body fat as he was when he was running. Yeah, he's just he just jacked. <laughs> That's the only way to put yeah. it. So anyway, um, man, Nick. Um, I, I, oh, last thing, I have to. I forget to ask sometime, and people are like, "Hey, you need to ask the question." So I got to ask about it, just real quick about what what shoes are you wearing on the trails? Hoka, pretty Hoka? much. All right. Yeah, Speedgoat and uh, the Challengers, pretty much the two that I rotate. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you see, like I'm a ultra guy. You see right there. <laughs> I, I tried, I, I tried them. They, 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 they uh, you know, like I said, the Hulk is for me, but yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's what, whatever works. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what I tell, that's what I tell people. I said, this is what works for me and here's why, yeah. uh, but you, yeah. you got to wear what's, what's good for you. Um, uh, so, uh, GPS watch, what you wearing on your wrist, man? 
the uh, Garmin 945. Okay, I got you. Is is it lasting for you pretty good? Battery life's okay on that, or how's that? You know, the, well, no. I mean, obviously, with uh, taking forty plus hours to finish hard rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what I do like about it is I can charge it mm. when I'm running. Yeah, and it charges super quick. So usually, if I put it in at an aid station, throw it in my, I have like a little hard case. Yeah, I throw it in the hard case, and by the time I get to the next aid station, it's fully charged. So good to go. Yeah, it charges quick, and it and it continues to, uh, you know, I don't lose anything. So. Awesome. I, I really like it, but I know there's a lot of other great watches, but until this one dies with, uh, with four kids, it's got to last <laughs> yeah, a while. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, so what are you, um, as far as your electrolytes, do you have anything that you swear by that you use in particular? Um, no, there's definitely nothing that I swear by. Okay. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of, I will use some tailwind, Mm-hmm. But usually I never bring it. So if the aid station has it, yeah. I will usually fill up one of my bottles halfway with tailwind and yeah. with water. That definitely seems to help. But I usually take, um, I, I want to say it's rock chain. They're salt pills. Yeah. Um, I really like those and, and those usually work for me. And, and that's yeah. something that's taken me a while. And since I've figured some of that stuff out, I find that I'm not getting as sleeping in the middle of the night as much yeah. as I used to. That, that, that's a, that's a big thing. I've talked to a few other people that found when they get the, one of my friends fawn, who's on the podcast called it the sleepies. It was electrolytes. She had to pump some electrolytes and that helped a lot with, with, yeah. you know, uh, when she was doing an FKT um, and pack, what pack are you wearing? Um, so I'm wearing the ultimate direction for okay. the, the, I forget the, which one, but for the longer races, mm-hmm. I do have a Solomon um, for, anything under hundred miles. So 50 okay. mile, 50 K I have, a, I have a, one of the, the lighter Solomon vest. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, once, once I buy something, I, I wear it until it falls apart. <laughs> I, I do the same, man. Some of my shoes, I probably shouldn't be wearing because <laughs> I, I kill them. Um, any, anything else, anything else that you use or any hints or tricks or, or foods or anything else that you use out on, you know, that you discover that work really works for you? You know, I think the big things for me, like the tricks that work for me is I, I so I love coffee, Yeah. but so. I will torture myself for three, for two to three weeks prior. Again, I don't know if it's urban legend or what, I think yeah. there's some science to it, yeah. but I withdraw, draw all uh, caffeine for, you know, a few weeks before the race. Yeah. And then I try to run the first 50 without it. Yeah. And so I think between the electrolyte, electrolytes, getting that dialed in combined with the uh, little extra kick from the caffeine. I feel like it helps, um, but I'm always cautious of it. The one thing for me, and again, I run with a guy who's a vegan runner for me, I find, and I think this is why we all have to figure out I, when I'm really tired, especially for the climbs, my body really craves protein Mm. less so than carbs. Yeah. So um, I really find that helps me when I'm in a mountain race. Yeah. Whereas if it's not when I'm like on, certain sections I, I don't need that as much but th- those those are probably the only things that i, I don't think are highly unique to yeah. me but uh seem definitely to help so i do uh with the coffee I, I won't go longer than two weeks without but i'll do i'll do two weeks without and then you know what's a good calorie boost man you get the starbucks coffees 
they have like 250 calories at Western States at, at Rucky Chucky, man. I, I chugged one of those. <laughs> it's a oh, little bubble shot can. Well, no, the uh, I got the um, even the bottles, you know, uh, okay. but because uh, it's got more calories in it and stuff because it's called creamy and girly. But I, I, I normally drink coffee <laughs> black, but I, I did. I drink this for the calories. It goes down smooth and it's rocket fuel. And I'm also with you on the 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 chicken broth ramen soup at night oh, that yeah. and coca-cola man that that's when you said that i was like that's that's my night i've finished races because of coca-cola and ramen <laughs> so i'll tell you the one thing that i do love you just don't see it at all the races they they, they do have it at hard rock and some um oatmeal man really? i don't know yeah like that that to me especially later on in the race when it's yeah. cold hmm. a hot cup of oatmeal man i i find and that's I, I don't always have a crew, but the few times that I've had, yeah. that's, that's actually the only, you know, unique thing that I'll have huh. um, a crew, you know, if I have them helping me out. Otherwise, I just go with what the aid stations have. Nice. I have to put that on the list because <laughs> you never Sometimes you just got to eat what you can keep down. So. <laughs> uh, well, Nick, uh, what's next, man? Yeah, like I said, so um, we'll see next. So on December 4th, I'll find out about um, Hard Rock. Okay. Western States, I got 32 tickets. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, yeah. odds are pretty good. Uh, and then I'll wait until February because in February, I'll learn about UTMB. So if I get three strikes, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, you know, who knows? I'm either going to probably shoot for a fast 100 or mm. I might dip my toe into 200, but um, I have a feeling I'll get on, I'll hit at least one of those Yeah, and then, and then build my year around that. But, um, I'll tell you, man, it's changing how, how popular these races are getting, which is, which is a good thing, but man, it's requiring a lot more planning. Yeah. A lot, a lot of planning and hard to get in, but the good thing is, is there are a lot more races too. So, I mean, you yeah. can, you, you can always find a race, you know, it might not be one of the big ones, but you can, you can find them. <laughs> so yes. no, that, yeah. that is very true. Well, Nick, man. Hey, thanks so much. I know you, you know, you got four kids, man, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, family, thanks for taking your time. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, I want to encourage you with your blog and everything, man. Keep, keep sharing your, your, your racing, but keep sharing your faith, man. Keep sharing your walk. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Cause that's, uh, that's what we're here for, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. It's really been a pleasure speaking to you and, uh, you know, well, um, uh, hopefully we'll see you at a future race at some point, either, uh, volunteering or, or running with you. Yeah. I hope so, man. Like I said, we were at Sanger to Chris at the same time, but hopefully we'll, we'll be at one and know about it. So <laughs> absolutely. All right, All right man. Take care, brother.